Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Only Land Fan Show. My name is Kendall Lejeune, and our guest today is Callan Faulkner. Callan Faulkner, an accomplished entrepreneur, has found success through her passion for automation and efficiency. With a background in marketing and technology automation, she has assisted Fortune 5000 companies in developing robust systems for B2C lead generation. In 2020, Callan's interest in land investing was sparked by a real estate podcast, leading her to establish Solterra, her land investing company. As she honed her lead generation strategies for her land business, she attracted attention from other real estate investors seeking similar solutions for modern lead generation, including texting, ringless voicemail, and cold calling, as well as automation like CRM and ChatGPT. This inspired Callan to create REI Optimize, a consulting company dedicated to helping real estate investors scale their businesses by setting up effective systems and generating consistent leads. Through her innovative approach and automation expertise, Callan has become a trailblazer in the land investing niche, sharing her knowledge and empowering others to succeed. Callan, thanks so much for joining us. How are you today? I'm great, Kendall. Thanks for the wonderful intro. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Look, I have been so excited about having this conversation because so many people reached out after your first episode and they were just blown away by the information that you gave us. And so you came back to me and said, hey, I would love to sit down and talk lead gen and go as deep as we can into lead gen. And so we are here to do just that. So let's jump right in and talk to us a little bit about how do you first pick a market? Yeah, great question. I get that question a lot and everyone has. It is a art, not a science. I say that a lot, even in the in the terms of bringing a lead in. It's an art, not a science every time. When I'm looking at a market, I am I'm pretty simple because it's so easy for me to spin up a campaign and just start texting, drop some voicemails, get some feels. I'm not spending a million years doing data. I'm also a visionary in Enneagram 3, so details and data are just not my strong suit. I one day hope to have a full-time data person that's doing all these things, but I'm a big picture gal. So a couple of things I'm looking for. I love the program. It's I don't know if it's Exomi or Exomi. I don't know. It's X-O-M-E. And just like we would go on Zillow and look at sold properties, the reason why I like Exomi is it has these bubbles. So I'm going to go into, I'm just going to pick my states. I'm very heavy in Florida and Ohio right now. So we're going to go in there and sorry for people that are non-disclosure states. You guys can't do this, but if you are, if you do have a disclosure state, you can do this method. Looking at properties that have sold, depending on our budget, we're trying to buy things that are around that 50K to 300K mark. And so we're going to put that. So I want to see all the sold properties that are between 50 and 300K. And I'm just going to look at the state as a whole. And I'm going to look at these big bubbles. Let's say we're looking at Florida. We don't see big bubbles right in Tampa, big bubbles right in Orlando. I want to look for those tier two or tier three markets, just a little bit outside, maybe an hour outside. And then the first thing I'm doing is I'm finding realtors in that area and I'm calling and I'm having a couple conversations and I'm just asking who's buying land? What are they buying? Why are they buying? What's their budget? What are they looking for? And that kind of shapes the rest of it from there. Of course, I want to look at inventory, but there's a lot of inventory right now. So I'm not going to get all you know up in arms about that. I like to look at the U-Haul data where people are moving and I like to see the land freedom score, just to make sure that entitlement work isn't going to be crazy. We're not doing stuff in Connecticut and New York just because we want to do that entitlement work. So long-winded answer. It's it's boots on the ground. I want to talk to people there. Who's buying land? What are they buying? And, and how often are they calling? I love that. And so talking a little bit about going into researching that market, you got you've got some boots on the ground. How long does it take you to feel out a market? before you start actually testing a market? Those are two synonymous words for me. Testing it and feeling it out are the same thing. We're going to have those conversations with probably two different realtors. I like to find a commercial broker and a residential broker, ideally, so we can understand uh, both of those scenarios. If if commercial is just really slow, then we might just take those out of our, our initial text messages. Ideally, we've already got that title company. Ideally, we've got 
a contact at the county or the, it depends on what we're going after. If we're doing development stuff, I'm definitely going to talk to the city development director um, before we start texting. But then honestly, it's pull a list in a half hour. I can pull a list. I can get it skip traced and I can get it. I can start texting. And pretty quickly, now that I've been doing this for two years, I can see what are we dealing with. When we started to do the Reno, Nevada market, I could immediately tell a very sophisticated buyer, a very high-end piece of property. There's not going to be a lot of wholesale flipping room here. It's going to be very rare that we find something like that. So we really had to look deep into the zoning code and try to find some loopholes around doing some entitlement work. But I could tell probably within, I don't know, three days of texting, that was going to be a really tough market. Yeah, those are some really good insights. Talking a little bit more about testing the market, and I guess I need to differentiate what I mean by that, is so you're looking at a market and, and getting your research, getting a feel of the market, and then how do you decide, okay, now I'm going to go all in on this market, right? So mm. you're testing, are you doing a small batch of, of marketing there? What, what does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. So the way that our cadence is working, the way we're doing things, we start with texting. We're going to put out uh, a text message. We're going to see how things go. On our leadership call, we do a leadership meeting every Tuesday. One of the parts is just reviewing the campaigns. So we have our campaigns in Notion. We go through and we're like, how are we doing? Where are we at? Okay, we just started that last week. And we're really deciding. It's like we send the first text and we step back and we say, do we want to keep going? And we chat with the BAs. We look at the leads that have come in and we say, yes, we want to keep going. Okay, let's keep sending batches. So let's go a little heavier with texting. Okay, great. Then we step back and we look at it two weeks from that day and we're like, do we want to drop a voicemail? Do we still like this area? Are you liking it? Are we seeing opportunities? Maybe not. Maybe yes, we are. Okay, cool. Let's move forward. Let's get that voicemail recorded. I think we should say this and this. Let's get that recorded and let's drop the voicemail. So it's not like I have to just the way that we're doing it. I can decide as we go if we want to keep spending money in that market. Got it. And so when you're analyzing what's coming back from a testing standpoint, I'm assuming you have some type of like quantitative numbers that will tell you, yes, keep going or no, stop. So what does that look like? My visionary brain, we rely on emotions, Kendall. So <laughs> we are a big emotion girl. <laughs> no, I look for response rate, of course. I'm looking to make sure we're getting that 15 to 20% texting response rate. Some folks just asked what we're using. We use a tool called Launch Control for texting. I'm looking to see, and then honestly, it's depend depends on what we're trying to do. Let's just say we're going for the classic flip, right? We're buy low, sell high. All right, let's just say we've sent 5,000 texts and we haven't gotten one qualified lead. That's not a good turnaround for me. I'm looking for at least 1%, if not half a percent, that's going to get converted into a qualified lead going into our CRM system. I'm probably more like a half percent right now. So that's going to be very concerning for me. And I, there might be a reason for it. I don't know. We have to dig in a little bit. If we're going for those entitlement deals, we find a market where hey, anything that's 30 acres and zoned RE6 can be split up without the platting process. Okay. I don't really care if we sent a thousand messages, 5,000 messages, and we got one guy that's interested. That could be a potential seven-figure opportunity. So I'm not going to stop marketing in that area just because we don't get a response for those higher value entitlement deals. Yeah. That's really good. What I love so much about that is that point that not every market fits every single land strategy, right? So what works for commercial is not may not work for wholesaling. And so that's a really important distinction whenever you're looking at different markets, because I know we hear some people are like, oh man, X market is popping. And so like everyone rushes over there, but if those people are only wholesaling, if they're not flipping or doing entitlements or something like that may not be the market for them, right? Totally. That's yeah. And I think that's hard too, because now we're, we are talking about subdivides. We're talking about bigger entitlement things, but we're also doing flipping. And those two paths have completely different marketing strategies, in my opinion, because one path you're going to, you could potentially make half a million dollars more or more. And the other path, we're making five to 10,000. Where are you going to put more of your money now? 
we've talked about this, I think, on your last podcast. We have to keep that flip side of the business going or we're not going to be able to pay our bills if you have a team. But there are some really cool things we can do on the marketing side for these bigger opportunities for willing to spend the money. Definitely. And that's really going to inform the type of marketing too, because the owner that has an infill lot that you're going to make five or 10 grand on is completely different than the owner that has a few dozen acres that are zone commercial and and that type of thing. So we don't market the same way to those people. Exactly. Yes. No, or just even the amount of time I'm going to spend. If we have a new market, let's just say, for example, we're going into Jacksonville right now. So we've been very heavy in Tampa. It's been really great for us. We're continuing to market in that area. We're going into Jacksonville for the first time. I'm not going to have my internal VA team start with calling or sending a letter with a $5 bill in it. That's ridiculous <laughs> to, to spend all my time doing that. I want to start with the cheapest option. And then as we go on, we'll spend a little more money as we go. Yeah, that's super, super smart, super efficient. Let's jump over to where you're actually sourcing your data. So can you talk to us about the process of pulling lists, cleaning the list, scrubbing the list? What does that look like for you in your business? Yes. So with pulling a list, I used to use Datatree, but recently moved over to LandVision. LandVision is a software you have to pay by the year. They allow you to pull unlimited data every year. So just because of the amount of marketing that we're doing, it made more sense to pay the annual fee versus paying per data point in data tree. But I don't think there's any advantage to the land vision data. It was just more of the pricing point. So my process is I am not again, I'm I'd rather pull more leads. I'm not looking for road access and scrubbing things out. It's just pull the freaking list. The more with things that I have that can stop me in the process or my team that are just tedious to slow down marketing. For me, I'd rather deal it on the backside. There are definite pros and cons of that. So there are a lot of people that take a lot of time and they want to weed out. I don't want to see anyone that's purchased property in the last 10 years. I don't really do much of that. Maybe I'll take out the last three years on the purchase price, but I'm really not weeding very much out. I'll pull that list The next step is I have to get their phone numbers. So there's a lot of different tools. It's called skip tracing. I don't even know why they call it that, but it's the process of taking that person's name, their mailing address, and getting their phone number and their age and their email and and a variety of information. Most important, their phone number. Obviously, we can't text them or drop a voicemail if we don't have their phone number. I use a tool called DirectSkip. I've got a great partnership with them for land. I just put it in the chat here, but podcast listeners, reioptimize.com forward slash tools. You can see my direct skip link. They're great. They're 10 cents a lead if you do it one by one. And then you get the phone number there. And then from there, we take that list out. We will probably get nitty gritty in a little bit about where that information should go. But we are embarking as land investors on a new journey. We are investing time and energy. If you're not already, you're manifesting this into multi-touch marketing. We are not just going to send a text and walk away. We're not going to send a letter and walk away. We have to touch them multiple times because on average, it takes seven engagements for somebody to respond to you. And how much are we leaving on the table by just sending one thing, walking away and saying this county doesn't work? We don't know that, but we have to start becoming more modern because our peers in the other industries are laughing at us for (laughs) our little spray and pray approach. It just (laughs) is hilarious to them. And we are going to change that. I love that. So just to clarify, it's not often in today's market that we're going to send one text message and then get a deal that's worth 100k back and mm-hmm. sign contract in that one text message. Is that right? Is that what oh, I wish, Kendall. Gosh, I wish. It was yeah, maybe 4 years ago when no one was doing this. Sure. I think and that's hard for people that have been around for a long time. It's getting more competitive and and builders are getting more technology, but no. That is not. Sometimes of course you get the random. It's random, but it is yes. definitely not. not normal. It makes for a beautiful like Social media case study. Oh, like, yeah. This is amazing. TikTok. But... Oh, yeah. Put a reel together, <laughs> sent this text, made 100K. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did. Yes, I know. But, but 
not the norm, <laughs> right? Not right. the norm, at least in our exactly. market. Exactly. You mentioned multi-touch marketing. What marketing channels are you currently using right now? Yes. Texting, launch control is the first step. Dropping voicemails, plural, with Sly Broadcast. We're sending a letter. We'll either do rocket printed mail or now I'm blanking on the name. What's the handwritten letter that we use? We use Robot Inc. Marketing. There's lots of different handwritten letters, but that's a great platform. And then we are doing a little bit of cold calling. We're using our follow-up boss environment to engage. They've got this cool dialer in there, but it's not a multi-touch. There's not a multi-line dialer. So we're not doing any of the mojo dialer stuff. And then we are experimenting with some paid ads, but those comes with, with pros and cons. So it's really heavy texting, ringless voicemail, and mail is our last touch. Love that. And so I definitely want to dive into the sequence of how you're using all of those things. But before we do that, for those people who may be from the camp of all that they've done is direct mail, right? Because that's been the bedrock for a long time in the land space when it comes to marketing. You hear a lot of people talk about texting and the legal implications of texting and people getting sued and all of this other stuff. So can you talk to us a little bit about what are some of your thoughts on the legal landscape of texting? And do you think yeah. it's going away or, or what do you see when it comes to the legal aspect of texting? Yeah. So there's two elements of the legal rules aspect of texting. I would never thought I would know so much about a specific subject, but I cannot tell you how much time <laughs> I have put into learning this. And the problem is it always is changing and we know this. So I'll tell you what I know right now. It is going to change. It's going to change over time because they're obviously the carriers and the U.S. government. So these are the two entities that create rules. The U.S. government creates some serious rules, right? They're creating rules that could potentially get us sued. That's where you could get in trouble. You could have to pay fines. The carriers are hitting us with other rules, but they're not able to bring legal action. They're just going to not deliver your text messages or they're going to ban you from being able to send text messages. So let's talk about the U.S. government. They created the TPCA um, law, I don't know, in the 90s to protect people really against cold calling robocallers. Over time, they're adding in more language about texting the reason why I chose Launch Control is because they are very focused on making sure this is a compliant platform. So they're doing things to make sure that we're not sending texts uh, too closely together. They're making sure that we are fully compliant with the carriers. So if you are doing any sort of texting, you have to be registered with something called 10DLC. It's the carriers came together and they're like, hey, look, I don't want all these crazy scam texts of lose 25 pounds in 25 days with a weight vest, right? Like that type of stuff or all this gibberish things that we get. So if you want to send text messages from an application to a consumer, you have to register your EIN number. That's really hard for people that are out of the country. They don't have legal businesses here. So immediately they're cutting out so much of the noise. And that was the purpose of all of this. So I like to, when I'm thinking about doing texting, a launch control is keeping us compliant. They might one day, three, four years from now, say, okay, you can't send a text to anyone that hasn't opted into your marketing. That is not the case right now. That is not happening yet. So we can still send text to anyone, but there are a lot of rules and that's where launch control does a lot to protect us. And there's negative keywords we can't say. We can't send links in the first message. We can't send too many messages um, side by side. We have to press a button to actually physically send the message. All sorts of cool things that Launch Control uh, allows us to do. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I know that these laws change so, so quickly. It seems like almost every other day, like there's some new component when it as in regards to texting. And the thing that I really like about launch control is it just adds like another layer of protection yep. in terms of they keep track of all of that stuff and just yep. throttle what you're able to do based on that. Right. Absolutely. And that's another reason why I've engaged in not only multi-channel marketing, just in case something happens with one, but also so focused on getting that person's information, their email, their phone. And it's okay if they don't want to sell right now because I'm building a huge database of all these people's information so that when they are ready to sell, 
I have them and I can reach out to them because they've already opted in. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, that it's also similar to you hear so many people talk about if you're doing any kind of business on social media, try to pull those people off of social media, get at least their email addresses, because if something happens with Instagram, you have no way to contact any of those people. Right. Again. Before we dive into that, I want to back up just a little bit. So we're talking about seller data. You've pulled lists, cleaned it, scrubbed it, skip traced it. Now, what do you do with all that seller data? Um, in your process. Yes. So in my process, there are two main systems that a land investor needs when you're trying to scale from 100K a year and more. If you are below 100K a year, most of this, keep it, you need to keep it so simple. You need to do a couple of deals. And I know how you feel. You want to have everything set up perfectly. I did too. But it just, it, it there's no way for you to make your time and money back because there's just not enough coming in. So when I talk about this, I just want to be clear. I'm talking about someone that's really trying to go from 100K to half a million or half a million to seven figures. So the two main systems are one is your communications tool. And the second is your CRM, like your operations hub. So our CRM operations hub that we're using right now is called Fresh Sales. So after we pull that list from DirectSkip, we're going to be putting all of those sellers and properties, they're two separate, they call them entities in that system. We're going to import all of those, all that information in there. We're doing that because as we start to send texts, as we start to do marketing, I need to start tracking who has responded and who has not responded. We are now, this is this new journey that we're going on where I'm going to be dropping them voicemails. Well, I don't want to drop somebody a voicemail that has responded to my text message. So we'll talk about that in a minute. We put that into Fresh Sales. I have a Zap set up so that anytime there is a contact added to Fresh Sales, it automatically adds them as a contact and follow-up boss. I have historically been Open Phone's number one fan. I've used Open Phone for the last three years. It recently has been hard to manage our follow-ups. We just have so many inbound calls. I don't have a really great way of seeing, hey, here's all the hot leads that have come in this past week that need a phone call. I can't really filter in there. It's just became a little too, it just became cumbersome for our team. And we have so many team members now. So we've migrated our communications tool over to follow-up boss so that anytime we're sending texts or someone calls in, about 80% of the time I can see who's calling. I can see their property. I can see their all their information because they're already uploaded into our communications tool. Yeah, that's really important for people that may not be familiar with CRMs. I know when I very first got started in the land business, we actually did a lot of texting and the texting platform that we use, it wasn't launch control, but it was a high level white label product. And it was almost like its own little CRM. And so I was able to keep track that way. But the more leads that we got in, it was just so much more difficult, especially if you're trying to track them through a particular sequence or a process. So can you talk a little bit about how you integrate your CRM with launch control and how do you get those to play well together? What is that? Yeah. Mean? Yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately, there's not an out of the box or native integration between launch control and our CRM system. What we have to do is it's just I've created a process. I have a team member that the way that we do it is right before we drop a voicemail, basically, usually it's, it's usually the first of every month at this point. We take in launch control, you can export all of the people that have responded to your campaign. And then we have two set, two exports. So we'll export all the people that have responded, we'll import it, and we'll do an update to our master database and just update them. And those people are going to be marked as responded. So we have cold responded and dead. And those are a marketing status on the seller record. There's a million ways to do this. This is definitely not the only way, but just this is the way that I'm doing it. It's what yeah. I have to do it this way. <laughs> so we're updating it like that. We're doing an update. And then we're also taking all the people that we've marked as not interested and DNC. And we're marking those people as dead in our records. So in our fresh sales environment. So then when we go to pull a list for ringless voicemails, we are pulling all of the people that are in Johnson County, Tennessee, that are still cold. And that would be, and then phone one, that would be our, our ringless voicemail drop. 
Got it. Got it. Okay. So that makes sense to me. Can you talk a little bit about what your initial texting sequence looks like? You send out that first text message and then what? Do you drive them to a call? What does that look like? Such a great question. So the first text, the goal of your text is really to elicit a response. We want to try and get them because once they respond to you, now you have, you're open to do a lot of things that you couldn't do if they haven't responded. For example, if they have not responded to you, you have to wait 30 days between text messages. If they respond to you, I can text them every day. I can send them links. I can send them all these emojis. I can put them on an automated drip. I really want to try and get a response from them. A couple best practices on the first text. Think about, I always need to think about what's everyone else doing? If this was new real estate investors who don't really exactly know what they're doing, their kids in college are just trying to mess around. What are they doing? They're asking, they're saying, hey, first name, wondering if you want to, if you're interested in selling your property, I'm buying land. Super broad, not personal, probably not even saying my first name, honestly. Let's be real. They probably aren't bringing that in. So as this is where it just is about the time you have. If you, and this is what we're doing, every time we go into a new market, I am creating a new set of initial text templates. So if I'm going into Jacksonville, I am writing a text to somebody that has land in Jacksonville. I am going to say something about being the coast. I'm going to say something about being close to a specific airport or say something like I always give the example. I live in Minneapolis, but it's called the Twin Cities here. It's Minneapolis and St. Paul. But if you didn't know this area, you probably wouldn't say I've I've investing in the Twin Cities for the last couple of years. If you didn't know this area, you wouldn't probably even know what that means. And because land investors have this tendency to jump around, we probably don't know, honestly. (laughs) So that's on us to do the research and try to be as personalized as possible. I would even say Michael's doing infill lots. I'd say probably should be a very specific message for infill lots versus rural. We're not asking is water at the lot line for a rural piece of land. Probably not. Okay. Probably not. And I have done that. I have absolutely done that. I've just used the same message and people are like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, no, you're right. You're right. That was my bad. So as personal as possible, Usually we're asking a question about the property. We're trying to get that engagement. I'm not going right for the kill of people have said, would you put a price in the first text? Absolutely not. I am trying to get them to respond. (laughs) Got it. So once you drive them to a call, what does the sequence look like after that in terms of your CRM and how you follow up? I didn't even answer your question about this. No, that's a lot of information. (laughs) (laughs) we, We send the first message. The goal depends on, it always depends on the property type. So if we're going after a flip, your 10 to 20K flip, I am not spending a bunch of time asking about their sister's cousin who used to own the, we don't have time for this. We have to qualify them out as soon as possible. I coach my team every day. I'm an optimist. A lot of my team are optimists. We have to assume that all these people are wasting our time because the truth is that 95% of the people that text you back either want market value or they don't want to sell in the next 30 to 60 days and they're wasting our time. So we really have to try and qualify them out as fast as possible while also maintaining a level of legitimacy and trust and credibility and not trying to get them out of the conversation and just toss them a price and hope for the best. This is where this art comes into play. And we probably won't have enough time to go into the importance of great VAs and coaching your VAs, but that is a, a big piece of asking a, a question and then maybe tell a little about us and then maybe float a range and we softly try to qualify them out as fast as possible. That That is a skill. It, and then that's going to be a phone call if they are motivated, if we can tell they're motivated if they if the property makes sense i would never get on a phone call with someone if we haven't done at least a 60 second map check of do we actually want to buy this do they want to sell in the next 30 to 60 days and it's hard over texting to do the whole price thing i'm not a huge fan of it unless we're doing those lower value opportunities and we're just trying to qualify people out then i'd get on the phone now if it's an entitlement opportunity and we're looking for 30 acre land in that tampa area I don't really care if they say, sure, boom, phone call, <laughs> right? Because that's I five to 10 years from now, I'll be here. Whenever you want to sell, Paul, I'm here. Save me in your phone as a land buying girl. 
and I'm ready for you whenever you're ready. Yeah, that's really good. So I, I want to dig in a little bit more about the sort of analysis portion of when before you're making offers. When does that happen? So you mentioned there, there's a 60 second map right check. But I know that there's so many people, and I actually fell into this camp when I very first started too, is that I would analyze everything. So I knew everything about the property before I even got the person on the phone. And it was just such a bottleneck in my business. And so can you talk a little bit about how you guys approach that and what's an efficient way, especially if someone is a one one person show, how do they go about getting information and when does that happen? Yes. Uh, Yeah. Yes. This has been something that we have changed in our business 10 times, the due diligence process. I'm sure everyone's gone through some sort of land training, maybe not everybody, but you're just taught do due diligence. Okay. But the truth is that there are three to four phases of due diligence. And the first phase are the three or four things in that market or about a piece of land that would immediately market as something we do not want. That is the most important thing to do while you're in that qualification phase, whether it's an RVM, a phone call, a text. Let's talk about that. A skinny property that's great for a billboard. That's not for me. That might be for someone listening. Oh my gosh, I'm a billboard guy. That's great. Great for you. It's not always going to be the same for all of us. For me specifically, I'm looking for that buildable piece of land. Someone can build a home. It's got utilities. That is the the box. You, everyone's box is a little different. So the first phase of due diligence, you have to create your box and you have to tell your team, if this thing is covered in wetland in this market, it is a no for me. But again, of course, there are people that are like, oh yeah, I sell to snake hunters. Great. That's not going to be a no for you then. But we have to create the phase one of no contour lines, topography, how steep is it? How wet is it? Access points right away. I'm like, look, how does a car access the freaking property? And I'm not, I've asked so many times, like, where's access? No. How does a vehicle, a real live vehicle, because I've been told there's access, but there's actually a railroad right in front of me. So the vehicle can't access. So can a car drive on it? does it just generally look like an, something that we would buy? Just take a quick peek at it. No, it has 60 degree slopes. Okay, probably not. Not for us. So that's a no right off the gate. Don't care about anything else. Don't care about who's on the deed. None of that stuff matters if it's a straight cliff. Okay, so you've created your box and you've created the things that immediately are a no. Ideally, that's 60 to 90 seconds. But in some markets, there might need to be some auxiliary checks. So for in Nevada, you might need to check on water rights. If there's no water access to the property, it's probably a no-go. Those are just very, very low value properties. So again, I'm getting a little in the weeds here, but you really have to make sure you understand what kind of property you're looking for and your market to figure out phase one. Then if it passes that phase one, they want to sell. We're pretty sure they're motivated. There's a reason. Let's get on the phone. We have that. Really got to tell that person, hey, just to let you know, I've got a call in about 10 minutes. Does this work for a quick check-in call? I just want to ask a couple questions and then we're just creating the idea. This is a five to 10 minute conversation because we all know sellers, they are amazing. Some are not, but they'll talk for hours. And so we have to cut them off. That's really good. So phase one, just so I understand that happens for you guys before you even respond Get on the phone. Oh, no, we will respond if they answer a question about their property. And I'm like, okay, it's like fishing. Send the thing out. Bobber goes down. They answered a question about their property. We're in business. They've responded now two text messages. Okay, cool. Let's just take a quick peek and make sure this is legit. Before you get on the phone. Got it. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Unless it's a high value property. Unless it's a high value property. Then I would get on the phone sooner. Got it. Can you talk a little bit about that initial campaign, initial reach out where you're texting and then what happens if they don't respond to the text? At what point do you go to ringless voicemail? At what point do you go to letters? What does that initial sequence look like for you? Yes. Okay. There's probably a place where I would like to share the screen. Yeah. Get this going for you. There we go. Zoom people. You are going to be able to see this. Okay. Here is an example. 
Day one, we're going to send 5,000 texts. Day 45, now you're like 45 days. I'm like, God, you could, I want to see how this plays out before we spend a bunch of time doing RVMs because RVMs elicit a tremendous response the way that we're doing it. So I don't want to waste it's people. They're so cheap. Yeah. But our VAs are bombarded by comp by a phone call. So I want to make sure this is a place we actually want to invest in before I drop that. And then they launch control doesn't let you send another text message for 30 days, but it takes about a week or two to get through the full campaign. So I just like to get through the full 5,000 and then come back 45 days later to be able to send the follow-up text. So then 45 days later, we'll send the first follow-up message and then we'll drop our first voicemail. And then that day 45, we'll typically start our new, a new campaign or a new batch with new 5,000 messages. Day 90, that's, this is our third touch for campaign one. We'll do our second follow-up text, our second RVM. Patrick asked a question um, about the phone one, phone two, phone three. I'll talk about that in one second. And then day 135, this is our fourth reach out to campaign one. We'll do our third follow-up text and our third RVM. At that point, we're about three or four months in. This is where we analyze. Mail is expensive and we're doing a ton of engagement. So if we're going to be sending mail, I want to make sure that we have, A, we've whittled our list down as much as we possibly can. Cold calling is also, it's not necessarily expensive. It's just time consuming. Either we have to pay a firm to do it or we have to do it ourselves. So that's where at this point we'll decide, do we want a break or do we want to go for cold calling or sending mail? Yeah, this is really informative. So just to clarify, these are people that have not responded yet, right? That's right. Okay. So can you talk to us about your follow-up sequence for people that have responded? Maybe you've gotten on the phone. It looks like it could be a deal, but you're just not there yet from a price perspective. How do you keep those people in your pipeline and how do you nurture that? Yes. So there's two different options. They scale up. So if they go into seller ghosted, they're going to get a call, an email, and a text message every week for 12 weeks. And they're going to stay at Seller Ghosted and then I can keep them in a list. And then each VA knows it's just the the emails go out automatically, but they do send it. They do make the call manually uh, and send the text manually. And then once they go through that Seller Ghosted cadence, they're going to go into a not interested now cadence. And that's going to be an email every month and then a call text email from that rep uh, every quarter. And that's going to go as long. Until they tell us to stop, they will get that from us. And so what types of things do you say in your emails and your, like, what does that look like? Yeah, it's a lot of, hey, we just did this last week. We just met as a team this morning. We'd like to increase your offer. We just came out with this report on some things that are happening in the area. We're wondering if I could send it over to you. We have, we do have an ebook with ChatGPT and Canva. Are you kidding me? I used to, freaking six months ago, I was writing these ebooks by hand. This is, there's no excuse. Every single person on this call should have some sort of lead magnet for their sellers. So giving them some value. Hey, I've got, it's a PDF. I actually just sent it to another client. I was thinking of you. It's the tax implications of selling your land in Pasco County. Wondering if it would be interesting for you. You could just hire a VA, have tax implications for Florida with change the name of it for each county and have 40 different PDFs and just send those out. Again, we're trying to, I just want them to think of me. Again, higher value, more money I'm going to spend on some of these things. Testimonials, case studies. If you go to our website, you'll see we've got some case studies, we've got some quotes, and we've got some stories of, hey, this is what happened with this gal. Trying to lead with value, trying to give them information and trying to, again, just, I really don't like the, hey, checking in texts or email. We're trying to flip all those that we had a lot of those. And now that I'm trying to generate, get more email addresses to protect us against the future, that's where we're coming out with a lot more of this. Hey, let me send you this. I absolutely love that because I think that it's really easy to get into that on, get on that hamster wheel of just the only reason I'm reaching out to you is to see if you still want to sell. Do you want to sell yet? Do you want to sell yet? And, but this is I'm giving you value. So when you are ready to sell and it's a nurture sequence, right? Yeah. 
Yep. Nurture sequence. Follow-up boss has something called an action plan in there. Pipe drive got sequences in there. I mean, there's all basic CRMs have these sequences you can set up. I know Bo High Level does. And once they respond to you, that's where there's cold outreach and there's warm leads. And those are two totally separate marketing activities. This cold is these, this, these blast texts, blast ringless voicemails. You definitely can use ringless voicemails for warm leads that have been in your past. And you can say, it's thinking of you, we're still doing deals in this area. Always doing property evaluations. Would love to send you. We've been working with some other sellers. I also have you know, working with a great title company. If you ever want to talk to them about their experience with us, they love us and I would love to send you their information. So anyways, just call in to say hi and see how I can help you. You're not like giving them an ebook or anything, but you're dropping that you have this title company that has loved working with you. And if they're interested, they can reach out and you're happy to make an introduction to them no matter how it works out. That's really fantastic. I, what I love so much about that is it seems like this topic that we're talking about right now, how you give value to your sellers that are in your pipeline, like that can be some of the greatest opportunity for differentiating yourself from your competitors, right? That's where lots of creativity can come in. To me, it just yes. seems like this is the greatest opportunity in your entire flow. Right. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Let's, if you want to brainstorm for a second, I think there's, I have high effort, high cost, moderate effort, moderate cost, and low effort, low cost in terms of giving value to your landowner. So let's start. Most of us are probably doing just straight flips. Low effort, low cost is giving them testimonials and success stories. There's a reason why I spent a bunch of time doing the case studies, going back, talking to people. What'd we do? How'd we do it? And it doesn't, I think some people might be like, how do I talk about a success story or give a case study for a flip? It's, hey, Joanne wanted to sell her property and she was struggling. She listed it for a year and it didn't sell. And then she sold it to us. That's a win. We don't have to talk about money. We bought it for X. We bought it for Y, whatever. We bought her property and she was having a hard time selling it. Sometimes just giving them information about your company and your process, like full transparency, Here's how this works. Hey, I've got this. I've got a quick PDF. It just talks about the exact steps of how this all works. I've got a copy of our agreement. I'd love just totally blank, nothing on it. I'd love to send that over to you. I think sometimes it really helps people just to, this is a confusing process. And I think it might help you just to see what the heck this is and how the heck this works. You mind if I grab your email? Okay. We're not giving them a million dollars, but at least you're giving them some information about what's about to happen giving them a lot of ways to contact you, giving them a picture of you. Like on our website, there's pictures of me. There's pictures of John. There's pictures of him mowing the lawn with his kids. There's pictures of me with my dogs. We try not to be giving them all the information about us, but as much as possible, we are real humans and everyone thinks this is AI now. So how do you make sure they don't think this is ChatGPT? <laughs> I love that. All right. Two more. Moderate effort, moderate cost. So I talked about this earlier, but putting together some sort of report or white paper on that area or on that market, probably actually, you got to put it together. You got to talk about what's happening. You got to interview some realtors. What it's great for is when you're actually comping and learning about the area, it's a part of the market research process too, when you're going through and you're identifying factors that affect land value and you're affecting, maybe you're talking about the players and maybe you're talking about, hey, here's who I would call for help with your well. Here's how I'd call for help with your soil, putting some of those vendors and partners in there. You could say something like, I'm doing a free property evaluation. And you have a little bit of a process around something that you deliver back to them. It's not a purchase agreement, but it's actually an evaluation of their property. Here's the slope of your property. It's like doing a little due diligence. Again, I would not do this for a property where you're going to make $5,000 in any circumstance. This is too much time but if you are, if some of these higher value properties, absolutely people don't know. People have no idea what's happening with their property. Maybe you could even grab the latest deed. You could grab the latest tax assessor report, whatever. Grab some basic stuff for them. High effort, high cost, going there, <laughs> going to that area and hosting a dinner. Hey, if I'm doing entitlement deals in Pasco County, Florida, you best believe I will be going there meeting with people, shaking hands, doing the whole thing. Do a cold calling campaign. Say, hey, our co-founder Callan's going to be in the area in December. 
She just wanted to know if you wanted to come have dinner or she's hosting a lunch at blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah day. Can you come? For a lot of us, we're doing these smaller deals. So that just feels so wild and, and too much. But a lot of people are not meeting in person. If you are wanting to go more digital, Loom. Record a Loom video for the landowner. This is great if you're like in that ghosting process or even towards the very end and you're in final negotiation. Record a video and just text it and email it to them. Like, hey, thinking of you, here's the deal. Here's what I got going on. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's what, whatever. It's a video from me. Usually it's not me anymore. It's Kim. But those are significant. And those can obviously be put on your letter too. They can be a QR code to a video. Just think, how do we compete with AI? And we have to be a real person. I absolutely love that. I could talk about that for the next hour. I know, (laughs) I know. And that's when, like I said, that's when like your creativity can really shine through because there's so many things that I'm just listening to this. I'm like, as a property owner, I've never gotten something like that. That would totally grab my attention. Really good stuff. So can you talk to us a little bit about what are some of the most common mistakes that you see investors make when it comes to converting leads? Yeah. A, they're trying to, especially when they're, if it's not mail and they're doing texting or voicemails, when they're trying to do it themselves and they aren't, they don't have a VA doing the actual texting. It is way too much time to do the actual texting responses. The landowner's job in my, landowners, the land investor's job, in my opinion, is to take the lead that has been basic stuff done. The map right map is made. They have a couple notes on it. They've had maybe a slight conversation with the seller and their job is to make decisions. And that is hard to do if you're spending all your time texting. A lot of times uh, land investors will get into an area and not, especially when they're very young and, and not young, but just when I was beginning, if I got into an area and didn't have a realtor or any partner that's there I don't know. I know some people have done it. It's just really hard to do it on your own. There's so many different things in each market that can play into comping and each area is a little bit different. So I like to have a partner there if you're newer. If you're not newer and you're more experienced, but you're still struggling, I think it's zeroing in and trying to focus more. I think if we send 10,000 texts and we're looking at 10 acre properties in Montana. And the next day we're in Orlando. And then the next day we're in Phoenix. It's like comping is difficult. It's really difficult. It's already difficult and you're focusing on one market. So the attention and the squirrel brain is just really hard for a lot of us to handle. So really trying to focus in more, give the market some time, find a good partner. If it's not working, make some commitments to yourself that you'll move on, even if you've put the energy into it. And that's why it's really important to have a mentor or a friend in this world to be like, should I just move on from this market? Because you're not going to want to. We spent so much time. You built all these realtor relationships. You know it well, but it's not working. And you need somebody to help you just say, let it go, move on. Yeah, that's really good advice. And so you mentioned the importance of having help, having someone on your team. Can you talk a little bit about your team and what that looks like? Yeah. So my team is composed of two US-based... I have a partner, John. So he was my former financial advisor. We own Solterra 50-50. So I'm the visionary. He is the integrator for those that follow Rocket Fuel. Probably do a whole other podcast on that. Kim is our acquisitions manager. So she's responsible for basically everything before the marketing process starts. So that includes finding the market, building the team there, um, engaging with seller leads after they've been qualified by the VA, which we'll talk about in a second. She's responsible for the, uh, the success of our VAs and the performance of our VAs. So we have four Filipino VAs. They are phenomenal. We started with one and then hired her husband and then hired another one. And then the, his best friend got hired. So they are a very tight-knit crew. Two of them are doing a lot of texting, a lot of that initial just checking, grabbing their information, matching the phone. And then two of them are a little bit more comfortable on the phone doing more of the negotiation. I would say majority of our deals right now are start to finish taken by the VA and not spoken with by Kim. I have not, unless the opportunity is a 
at this point, six figure or more opportunity, I really haven't talked with a seller. And mostly the entitlement opportunities. That's where I'm brought in to talk with sellers. This has been a two-year journey. So it doesn't happen overnight. But my goal is to... I'll talk about my perfect day and what I should be doing. One other person that's working with us is Mandy. She's our sales and marketing manager. So she's responsible for everything once the property is ready for marketing. So getting photos, final due diligence work, just confirming everything. Like this is zones. This is the allowable uses. We can do this. She's talking with builders. She's talking with developers. She's talking with other agents that are better for listing. There's some that are great with the acquisitions process, but some that are better with listing. And my job is to find money. I'm the visionary. So my job is to find money to make us more successful with our systems, bring in automation as much as possible, encourage our team to making sure we're using the systems properly and to get creative and basically create that vision for the next 10 years and help the team. I have a lot of ideas and the team's job is to filter those ideas. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. You're speaking my language right now. So can you talk to us a little bit about how you integrate virtual assistants. Let's say someone's listening to this and they're like, oh my gosh, if I could have a virtual assistant do pretty much everything from start to finish and I could just focus on running my business, building yeah. my business, how do they go about doing that? What are some yeah. of the, the overall steps that they need to go through? It is absolute baby steps. And you, everyone knows this on my team. I've wanted to fire every single person on my team. <laughs> especially their first week. I was like, oh, they'll never make it. That's just my, I'm like, oh, get them out. Because it's really hard. It's so hard hiring somebody. Think about you when you first started land investing. Like you don't know anything. So it takes a really good six months of TLC, tender love care, to see success with a VA, but it's baby steps. So for me, the kind of the flow and the start, the easiest thing to start with is to teach them how to do some texting. Okay, they don't have they don't have to be on the phone. They're just doing some basic responses. We're coaching them. It's a daily stand-up. Figure out what works for you. I don't care if it's at 8 a.m., noon, 8 p.m., whatever time. 20 minutes a day with your VA, reviewing those conversations. And do not let them send you a whole list of properties that need to be comped. You go comp them and then they and then you just put the comp in the notes. Absolutely not. You need to have them watch you. Every time I want you to comp this, okay, you watch me, I'm going to do this. And then over time, they start to share their screen. So you're sharing your screen, you're showing them, okay, let's comp this together. I'm going to look at this, I'm going to look at this. I think this recording, this is all going into your loom. I don't even care if it's organized, just put it in loom, call it comping with J-Rant date. Cool. So that, that goes on for about two months and then they slowly start to pick it up. And then they share their screen and they're like, I think this. And then one day you're like getting your hair cut. This happened to me. And the VA texts you and they say, oh, I got a deal. What do you mean? You got a deal. <laughs> what does that mean? Please tell me. He's like, I got a guy. He wants to, his property is going to sell for 40000 and I think we'll buy it for twenty. Like you did that all by yourself. Obviously it was months and months of back and forth and ah, this comp is wrong, but yeah, it was a great effort. But this is where I think you could have made an adjustment. And then the flow now is that they make that initial comp and then Kim is responsible for making sure that comp is correct. Every purchase agreement before it goes out of PandaDoc, it goes to Kim for approval. Kim approves it and then it gets sent to the client just to make sure that everything's been approved and they've been incredible. That is fantastic. I love that. I love making sure that they're recording everything so that way you've you're building out your systems while they're learning. That's so important. And you also mentioned recording. So you're reviewing their calls as well. Oh yeah, big time. Yep. So open phone, we had all the call recording was turned on all the time and we listened to them together. And you just have to create, I think it's really important that you create. So many of these guys have been in this call center, a really intense environment where if you don't perform, you're gone. That is not the environment that I am creating. I'm creating an environment of we're doing all this and I know how uncomfortable this is. I know this is the last thing you want to be doing is listening to yourself talk. Trust me, it's the same with me. But we have to do it because you're only going to get better if we practice and I can listen. So compliment sandwiches, try not to be too hard with them, especially in the beginning. They are going to be bad. Everyone's going to be bad on the phone. They're going to be awkward. They're going to be reading the script word for word. You have to role play. 
with them. You have to. You cannot expect to create a salesperson out of thin air without you practicing with them. So if they're practicing with each other, that's great. It's hard. There's not everyone. I just want to, I'll just go get a VA that's already trained. It doesn't, I'm sorry. It doesn't exist. You <laughs> have to train them. You have to work with them. You have to practice. You have, they have to mess up. You have to say it's okay. And there's not really an easy button. I wish there was. That's so true. And I know that this topic is near and dear to both of our hearts, but I love what you mentioned about what type of environment are you creating? Because you're ultimately creating a a culture within your business that can either really serve you or really hurt you. Yes. Yeah, really. We could could probably, we could do a whole podcast just on So we're going to cut it right there. (laughs) There are already three podcast ideas that I've written down that I'm like, we will do a separate one. (laughs) Perfect. I love it. Talking about campaigns, let's say someone's running a campaign and it's just not going well. What are some things that you can think of, some areas that, that they might need to look at to troubleshoot a campaign that might not be working well? Yeah. The first thing I look at every single time is I want to see, I want to go into launch control or I want to go into our people that have reached out to us. And I want to see all the leads that have come in and where they are right now. Who has responded to us and what's the status? And majority of the time I go in there, and I find that there are hundreds of people that have responded a couple of weeks ago and they have not been followed up with. And it looks like things aren't going well because there aren't leads that are being sent into the CRM system, but they actually just haven't, we haven't continued to qualify them. It is so much easier to send new text messages than it is to go back and build that relationship up with the people that already responded. So double check that. I want to look at, of course, I want to look if you're doing daily looks at the conversation, you're going to be able to start to identify every, for example, we did Port St. Lucie, Florida. Every seller was like, I want 95,000, 95,000, 95,000. They were saying the same number. Well, I did some research and there were a bunch of builders that got in there right before us and they're offering, they're offering 90, I think. Okay. They all, it, no, sorry, it was saturated. They were saying the same numbers. It just was a no. I think the same with that Reno. Okay, maybe everyone's just wanting market because they're like, we don't really care. We don't need the money. We're not motivated. I would want, I want above market value. I don't care. I have to wait three years. Okay, that's just not a great market for that business model, for the flipping business model. I think there's... it's this. Of course, you can look at your response rates and you can look at the rate of response to each of your individual templates. Definitely, there are some templates sometimes that just aren't performing. I definitely like to look at the templates and see which ones are performing. I like to look at when we're sending messages, what days we're sending messages, what days of the week, what times are working. Sometimes you don't even realize it, but if you're texting Florida and your VAs don't start until noon, you're missing that early lunch hour and playing around with the different times in these different markets. If it's a more, if it's a market where people are working, let's just say you're doing more of a rural market and these folks, a land that's worth maybe 40, 50,000, people are probably working during the day. So they're not going to respond at two o'clock in the afternoon. We have to make sure we're hitting that lunch hour at the time of their time, not our lunch hour their lunch hour. We're really trying to dial in the times and and days too. That is so good because I think I've fallen into this trap before where you send text messages and you think, okay, when I get a text message, I see it. It's an unread message. I'm going to eventually respond to it. And so just in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, this market just isn't good. But there are so many different factors that go into what's making a campaign successful or not. Something that you mentioned earlier that I absolutely love is when you said that there are people that are working right now. They're not, they're hanging at home. They're not (laughs) hanging at home. They don't have their phone. Their phone might be in the locker or something like that. Um, Yeah, that's really good. Also, the fact that you said, and this is, this is brilliant. I need this on a poster. (laughs) Great. You said, merch. (laughs) <laughs> merch. We're gonna do we're gonna do some Cal and merch here. <laughs> the fact that when you are texting, it's so much easier to just send the initial text message than to follow up. But our business is not about sending the initial text message. The money is made in the follow-up. 
right? Mm -hmm. So that's a really, really important piece because yeah. it's easy to press a button. It's not so easy to nurture them through that. Like once they say, sure, you're like, God, now I got to do the work. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That's it's really like, Yeah. You have to go look at the property. And then there's, I just find that decisions are hard. Decisions are so hard. I have so much decision fatigue. God bless Mark Zuckerberg for wearing the same thing every day. I wish I could do that. I can't. But just you're making your VAs make a lot of decisions. Is this a good property or not? They have to decide over and over and over again. And then your acquisitions manager has to make big decisions. And it's it's a lot of decisions. So the more that we can just encourage and tell our team, like you are going to feel this, it's going to be a lot. And if you need to step away for a minute, like step away, go for a walk. I don't need you. We can't push all the time. That's the other thing too. I am victim of this, but it's, I was a former athlete. I'm like, let's go all the time. Let's hustle. Let's hustle. Let's hustle. I'm so excited. And sometimes they just need a freaking week off. And then they come back that next week and we double their commissions or we say 500, hundred bucks gift card or whatever. If we hit whatever, make it exciting. For those of you that worked in sales, I was a Cutco sales rep. Best knives ever. Yeah. <laughs> they push week, two weeks. You, I didn't sleep. I was cold calling day and night because I wanted to go to Mexico. Yes, they completely had me, but I was resting a lot of the other time. So making sure that your team isn't isn't being over, you know, overworked too. I love that. That is so good. So good. And that comes back to that whole company culture thing, right? It sure. makes a difference. It really does. So you've worked with a lot of land investors with your consulting company. What's the most common aha moment that people have when it comes to Legion and marketing when you start working with them? Hiring great people, buying back your time. The aha moment is the haircut moment where they text you and I got a deal. There's no other feeling like that. Once you feel your team execute the process start to finish without you, it is a drug. It's a drug for me. I'm like, how do I, okay, like you guys did this without me. Okay. How do I get 10 of you? <laughs> how yes. do I get 20? How do I get some technology to take part of your job? And then I only need five. Like that is, depends on what you're trying to do too, right? There's a lot of guys, a few folks that are listening. They're like, look, I'd love to do 10 deals a year, make 20K a deal, have this as a my cash making thing. That's awesome. That's amazing. But I would still challenge you to say, how do you do that with five hours a week of your time working? And what is working? For me, I obviously I'm 32. I would like, uh, there are things I don't like doing in this job and this, in this role, but my goal is to only do things that make me money and light me up. That's it. If it makes me money and lights me up, I'll do it all day long. This interview, great. I'll do this all day long build a network, get people to get some value. Awesome. That for me was the biggest aha of I could have a, a VA do the things that I don't like doing and they actually enjoy it. There's nothing better. And it's all day. It's, yes. And that's gone into my home. That's in at the gym. That is everywhere in my life. If I don't like doing it, I'm going to find someone that does. That is incredible. And that really manifests in so many different areas of your life like you just mentioned. And it that really does change the game. It absolutely yeah. changes the game. And you right. create space for yourself. Now it's, oh, I need to build this. I want to go into this new market. And I actually like market research. I think it's fun. I think it's fun talking to the builders and the developers and the realtors and talking to the engineers and building this story and the city development director and putting all these puzzle pieces together. I love that. I don't really love doing the analysis and pulling the lists and all that and doing the comping. Like, it's fine. I like it in big deals, but on the small deals, I'm like, it's not really my favorite thing. And how do I make this enjoyable? So it's something I can do for the rest of my working career. That's the key. That is 100% the key, right? So you have a program that you actually teach people how to do this. Can you talk to us about what yeah. that is? Yeah. So I have this program I've been doing for about a year and a half now. If you go to reioptimize.com forward slash services, it has all of the programs, offerings, masterclasses, all the fun stuff that we're doing. Go there, 
no matter when you're listening to this episode, you can go there and see what we're up to. But right now I do have this program where it's, it's a texting. It's basically start to finish. You start texting today. It took me about two years to, to figure it out and to get there and to learn what to say and how, what not to do. And how do I train my VA and how do I import the list and how do I write my templates and how do I manage my inbox and what should my VA's daily schedule be? I have that in a complete blueprint. I have documented every single part of the process, every single piece of being successful with texting as a real estate investor is in this program. We write all of your templates for you, custom to your area, custom to the property that you're going after, all of your quick replies, your drips, your automations. We take care of all of that. And then it's a community. So we've got a Slack channel. We've got about 40 investors in there and their VAs, which is the best. As much as I built this program for land investors, it's almost now more for the VAs because they're the ones that need, are like, what do I say to this? Or how would you handle this conversation? Or, hey, I don't think my data came in properly. Oh, hop on the phone with Ashley. Hop on the phone with Maddie. Oh, let me get in there. Let me make sure this is going right. Or, oh, it's been a month. I, I don't think this market's working out. Here's a little two-minute Loom video. I watch, I respond. So it is full engagement for me and my team. It's a six-month engagement. We do live coaching twice a month for the community. We do screen sharing. People, I just call on people, share share your environment. I want to see it. I want everyone, I want to, I hate to say pick it apart, but that's what you're hiring me for, right? Is to pick it apart and find all the things that we're, we're missing opportunities on. And then it's really you're staying in my program until you've until you've mastered it. We it's usually it's about a six month engagement. There are some folks that had a new VA come on or whatever, and they they stay in until they're ready, and they have their that wings. Is, that is incredible. Like you want to talk about like leveraging other people's time. Like my gosh, sign me totally. up. <laughs> oh, totally. And even now, like we just hired a new VA. I'm like, thank God I have this program, or else someone would have to sit with this VA and teach them how to do all this. I'm like, go watch this. Come to these meetings. And you're going to figure it out because you're going to have all the support you need. That is so good. That is so good. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, I've got to have this. I need this like yesterday. Like yes. where can they go to sign up for your program? Yes. So go to reioptimize.com forward slash services. And if you just scroll down and if you go to reioptimize.com it says training and courses, you're going to see the launch control for land investors training course. And then you can just say, learn more and enroll. You can enroll all the way at the bottom. If you do, will you please let me know that you heard me on here? Let me know that you heard from Kendall. As you go through the signup process, there'll be a little spot where you can pop his name in there, pop in only land fans, pop in Kendall. It's super helpful for us to know where you are and where you came from. And I do also have a ringless voicemail course as well. That is a recorded course in community. I'm not doing any live coaching on that right now, but that is also a phenomenal course that is step-by-step. What do I say? How do I drop it? Again, it's for your team. I want your team to get this. And within 30 days, you have a full RVM strategy up and running um, using this course. So good. So good. Callan, this has been absolutely incredible. Thank you everyone for joining us. Some fantastic questions. If you want to take your business to the next level, definitely take a look at her Legion program. It is. It, it will change your life. So thank you guys so much. Again, Callan's information, reioptimize.com. That's where you can grab all the goodies. So thank you guys, Callan. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. If you're interested in hearing from other seven-figure land flippers about how they've started and run their businesses, then join us at OnlyLandFans.com. Looking forward to seeing you there.